Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Oh, God, Stevie, it's been too long. It's been too long. It's been too long. I've missed your face. I missed your face. As you said, we haven't done this (laughs) since when? October? October. And now it's all starting again. Yeah. Busy year. We had a nice winter break. Indeed. We had a nice quiet break. And now it is Star Trek time. Yes, it is. Bring it on. And final season of Star Trek Picard, which is why we are here. Indeed. I feel nervous. I'm excited. I'm sad. (laughs) Yet, here we are. We're going to do this no matter what. So, today's star date is star date 2310220.1. And we're talking about, as you said, this final season three of Star Trek Picard, episode one, entitled beautifully, The Next Generation. Mm. How beautiful. It's very beautiful. How on the nose. It's very on the nose. Since it's mostly about the last generation so far, this first <laughs> That's a fair point, yes. It's everyone being older, but some people are more badass than others in this first episode. But before we get into that, we have to do our usual, we got to do our preamble. We got to talk a little bit about Patreon. And by Absolutely. we, I mean you. Yes, thank you so much. What are you missing from your life? Are you missing delightful uh, nerds who talk about science fiction in the form of the newest Star Trek series? Are you missing... Zoom hangs in your life where perhaps Aki might give us a cooking experience. Are you missing? What else do we offer, Aki? Uh, oh, we watch movies and shows together we, sometimes. Yes, we watch movies and watch content together. We do lots of things. If you would like to do all of that and more, you can join us on patreon.com forward slash setphasers. That's patreon.com forward slash setphasers. Yes, I'm missing all of those things. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah. You'd be surprised how much people don't want to hear me talk about Star Trek in the middle of dinner or whatever. Oh, I thought you were going to say Dungeons and Dragons. If they don't want me to talk about that either. Anything oh, I'm an expert on, people don't want to hear about. <laughs> You've been very busy on tour, so it's understandable that you want to get back to your nerds. That's right. Um, okay, without further ado, I think we should just run down this first episode. I missed this song. Oh, boy. It's time to run it down. Can you run it? Okay, yeah, I'll run it down, no problem. Basically, it starts pretty wild, cold open here. We're on a ship, and Beverly Crusher is on the ship, and maybe someone else, but I you don't see them. Someone demanding to be let out, and Beverly says, they found us. So there's some sort of pursuit happening. And then there's a boarding action by some aliens that we don't, I didn't recognize, but they might be deep cut. But yeah, like, they were like wearing like scream masks. Yeah, I didn't get it either. And lots of clicking sounds. Yeah, lots of clicking and moving around. Anyway, two of them board the ship, and Beverly Crusher alone handles them with her phase rifle. She fights them in the container bay area. 
and she gets shot and she takes them out. She just does like a kill shot on one of them and then another one she injures and then does another kill shot. And then she manages to get the ship that they're on ready for warp, but they still have a minute left and there's more like ships coming into board and she sends a message to Jean-Luc Picard and then goes to warp on her ship called the Elios. The Elios. I have a question. When she addresses the computer, she says Elios. Is that the first time you've heard a ship addressed that way versus computer? Yes, I think so. Same. Certainly in TNG, yeah, it's usually computer. That's an interesting point. I wondered if it was maybe sentient, like Discovery. Ho, ho, ho. Look who's wearing the tinfoil now. It's <laughs> usually I, but oh, Stevie, we're in the tinfoil. I love it. Okay, yeah, maybe Elos is sentient. I like that. I'm going to add that to my notes. So that happens. We then cut to Picard, and he's with Laris, his Irish power And yeah, I said it. <laughs> what? Nothing. I'm just laughing. Anyway, they're going through stuff because it looks like he's they're moving. Laris is going to be like a diplomat or something on Child Talk 4 and has to go to this big meeting and Picard's going to go with her. And so they're going through stuff and he's thinking about things he wants to give away or put into storage. And they're looking at this painting of his old ship, not the, I always want to call it the Starfisher, but not the Enterprise, the one before. Stargazer? The Stargazer. Starfisher. Oh, yes. Nicely done. Thank you. Are you sure it was the Stargazer? I thought it was a stargazer. Maybe it was, but I think it was. What was interesting about it was that I think it wasn't it on the sh the Enterprise in. I'm going to say first contact. Was it first contact? And it would have had to have been salvaged from the wreckage. Yeah. yeah. But they, and they did mention it a couple times last season for some. I forget the context. Of his like being the captain of the stargazer when he when we went to the alternate <laughs> world where he was like an. Oh evil. yes, look up stargazer. Yeah. Now, all right, okay, so he wants to give this painting, he mentions Geordi, who's, like, running the Federation Museum, and Laris is, like, tells the Packer people to absolutely not give it away. Anyway, she's like, you're confronting your past, your memories, are you sure you want to make this move to Child Talk 4? And he's like, ah, I'm good, I don't want any more living here, and I don't want to hold on to all this old stuff from my old life. And all this stuff is in boxes, and Myers is like, comes a time in a man's life when he looks to his past to define himself, and Picard's like, I just want a new adventure. But then later that night, he's like writing letters, and he hears an alert going off in some of the boxes of his old stuff, and he finds his old captain's uniform, and there is an encrypted message, and it needs a passcode, and he remembers the Kodak Myriad, and he gets the message from Beverly that she sent earlier. She gives him the code word Hellbird, tells him to trust no one at Starfleet, and basically says she needs his help. And that's when we learn that Beverly has been MIA for 20 years. Things did not end well between Picard and Beverly. Even Laris, later when Picard is mentioning what happened, says, didn't you guys try to make go at it romantically? And he's like, yeah. anyway, Laris is like, listen, if Beverly's calling, you gotta go. And I'll save a seat for you at the bar on Chaltak 4. Very beautiful. So, obviously, Picard contacts Riker. They meet up at Guinan's bar. It's about to be Frontier Day. So there's all these brief Frontier Day things that are happening. And in the bar, they're selling, like, little <laughs> tchotchke versions of Federation ships. And apparently, no one wants the Enterprise Ds. The, the fat ones. The fat ones. That's right. The bartender actually says no one wants the fat ones, which Riker takes great umbrage to. Anyway, they meet up. Card explains what's going on, and Riker says, oh, Hellbird is the name of a virus that took over the Enterprise when you were dot 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 incapacitated. 
that added three to every digit. This is when Picard was locutus of Borg. It was a virus. And Beverly's coordinates that she sent in the original message go to the middle of nowhere in space. But if you add three to every digit, it takes you to the Riton system just outside of Federation space. Now, Wrecker wonders why Beverly cut herself off not only from Picard, but from everyone, apparently, in the last 20 years. And then they say, we got to find a way to get out there before these ceremonies when they both have to give boring speeches. And as they leave the bar, someone appears to have been following them. Someone who takes an Enterprise D and dumps it in a drink unhappily. Then we go to Metallus Prime. M. Talus Prime? It's M apostrophe Talus Prime. Do you see the little Easter egg there? Yes, because I've watched enough credits over the years. I was like, isn't that somebody's name? <laughs> Terry Metallus. Yeah, Terry Metallus, who I, once I did research, I saw he's writing a few of these episodes, but he wrote like a bunch of Enterprise stuff. Yeah. And I think he was Brennan Braga's assistant. Apparently they named what they thought would be the worst place <laughs> in Federation space <laughs> after him as a joke. And everyone found it very funny there at Star Trek. And so when they were trying to think of a place that would be the center of organized crime, they decided to put it in Metallus. So Metallus is a club and the, a stranger in a hood buys some drugs from an Orion at a, an outdoor eatery, street meat kind of place. And it turns out to be Rafi and questions the dealer, says that a girlfriend left her, that she's strung out. And uh, she buys some drugs and then she says, hey, man, I'm just trying to get back into the Federation. And if I had some scuttlebutt from out here, man, it could really help me. I could get back and I could help you out. And uh, he's like, I don't know. And she gives him a bunch of money. He's like, where's this money coming from? She's like, it's everything I got. And she says, tell me about the red lady. And he says, get out of here. And so she goes away. And then we see that it was all a ruse. <laughs> She's still working for Starfleet. She's working for, well, they don't say Section 31, right? She's working for Intelligence. Yes, it could be Section 31, because that was created during a like Discovery, which was years before yeah. the series. Well, the first season of Picard was Section 31 gone bad, right? Wasn't it the Romulan lady put the crazy thoughts into Gerardi's mind? <laughs> she... Oh, I thought she was just a rogue Romulan actor. I th oh, I thought she was Section 31. Anyway, that's hard to remember season one. Rafi, anyway, after much contemplation, destroys said drugs. Picard and Riker head to a space station. Yes. Did you love the communicator, the flip open communicator? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh. It was so film noir. I was like, it was. once again, I would watch a series where Rafi is just a private eye or something on some, on Metallus. That's the next spinoff. Uh, yeah. Seven and Rafi. Seven and Rafi. Rangers in Section 31. Oh, my God. Ranger detectives. Yes. Yes. Okay, so they, Riker and Picard head to the space station because Riker's old ship, the Titan, is there. And he thinks he can convince the captain there, who's a bit of a, he says, not necessarily a pleasant fellow. If they can hitch a ride on the Titan, saying that they're there doing oversight as to senior members of the Federation, and then they can maybe get him to alter course and take them to those coordinates and they can jump on the shuttle and get out there and find out what's going on with Beverly. Picard is a little unhappy with this plan. He's a little worried about it. But Riker says, you'll recognize the first officer. And we do, because the first officer is none other than... I forgot that sound existed. I was thinking you should play the Seven of Nine song. Well, we should. It's Seven of Nine. Yes. This, this is a good song. And you owe me the full version. She's Seven of Nine. Seven of Nine. She's Seven of Nine. 
who is the first officer on the Titan. And they go to the bridge, they meet Ensign Sidney LaForge, who has the nickname Crash LaForge, apparently. She's the pilot of the ship and has crashed. I love that nickname, Crash. I like Crash LaForge. It's a pretty sweet name. Uh, Anyway, they're supposed to have dinner with Captain Shaw later that night. Oh, and by the way, Seven of Nine, because of Captain Shaw, is not going by Seven, it's going by Annika Hansen, her human name. They take the ship out and they go to Maximum Warp. When they get to dinner with Captain Shaw, Shaw is already seated, already eating. A truly a pig. What and, an ass. Like, how yeah. rude. Rude. Yeah, he's got a huge ship on his shoulder because Picard and Riker, he's like, yes, I don't do your crazy stuff. Oh, yeah, I love his, sorry, I love his, I got so excited, how he insults Riker's love of jazz. He's playing classical music, he's eating his green steak or whatever it is that they're eating, and he insults Riker's love of bebop. And uh, when they mention changing course, Shaw refuses to do so and says it will not happen, and then excuses himself from dinner before anyone has even begun to eat, presenting himself as a bit of a problem. He definitely has a chip on his shoulder about Picard and Riker and sees him as like cowboy style, which is very funny because Picard and Riker, as much as they get into antics, they're no Kirk. Kirk no. is cowboy style. Yeah. Picard's an anthropologist. Couldn't get more boring. You couldn't get more. Picard's like, ooh, look at these old rocks. Look at this Let's, fossil from Ashtak yeah. 9. Yeah, yeah. Let's stay here for another week, number one. Okay. Rafi, meanwhile, is on the, I think, the La Sirena. I think it's the, it looked like she was on the La Serena Bridge. It did. She's connected to a security channel to her handler and security, but they, the, who doesn't speak directly to her, speaks like through uh, some sort of interface or something like that. Can't get any information on the Red Lady. Rafi, we find out, has been undercover for a month looking for these weapons that have been stolen from the Daystrom Institute that she mentioned to the Orion. One of them was like a weird transporter technology or something like that. So they're looking for these weapons. Her handler suspects there is an imminent an imminent attack and tells Rafi she must find the red lady. So Rafi gets into her hacking mode and goes to do that. Picard and Riker are meanwhile on the Titan enduring the indignity of bunking together lower deckers. <laughs> Very funny that Riker was on the top bunk. He get a message. I just loved he made an old man joke of I just need to pee more than I did. Yeah, then. yeah. <laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> it was very cute. They get a message to report to our observation, and that's where they meet Seven. And Seven's like, you got to tell me what the hell's going on or I'm going to put you out of an airlock. So Picard explains. And Hanson, Hanson, I wrote Hanson because that's how Seven is going by, talks about the concern about being in Starfleet. Doesn't really like Captain Shaw, what's his tush, which makes total sense. He's an arrogant asshat. But mentions very conspicuously that after the events of season two, Picard and Janeway convinced her to take up. Uh, position in Starfleet, and she's finding it harder to navigate than being in the Rangers when she can trust her gut. But anyway, the ship drops out of warp, and it looks like she did trust her gut, because when the captain went to sleep, she diverted course to Wrighton, and says they have five minutes to get on a shuttle and get out there and get to that nebula where the vessel has been detected. Shaw wakes up angry, shows up angry, locks down the ship, there's an unauthorized shuttle launch, and then he threatens that it's the end of Seven's career, and he wants a full report, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, Rafi is still searching for the Red Lady and finally figures it out. It's not a person. It's not a ship. It is this giant statue for pre-Frontier Day of Rachel Garrett, captain of the Enterprise C, I think, from, gosh, I was talking about this last night. I forgot what the episode is. Not yes, yesterday's Enterprise. Tomorrow's Enterprise? It's some day's Enterprise. 
where there's like a time travel backwards, Romulans, Glans, anyone? All right. I remember the actress. It's a TNG episode, and there's like a timey-wimey thing where she comes back in time and has to come back and go back in time to save, and then she dies. Anyway, big statue of her. It's red. Rafi's like, that might be the red lady. She's like, we got to get to District 7 of Mtala's Prime immediately. She gets there, but the comms are not working. No one is contacting her. There's a big recruitment station there. And as she's trying to uh, contact them, the attack happens. The building, the whole giant building, falls into a wormhole and then is dumped out of the sky from this wormhole anus where it crashes into the ground. It's pretty rough. I'm sorry, wormhole anus. I mean, you don't think that's a good description of what it was? Bull. It is, but I just would never have wormhole used the anus word in the anus. Sky. That's what it looked like to me. I was like, oh, they blew it up and then it falls out of a hole in the sky. I would have just gone with a wormhole portal or something. It looked like an anus. So that's the attack. <laughs> Listen, I read what's in my notes. And that's my that was my gut feeling. I was like, whoa, wormhole anus. So that was the attack, and Rafi was not able to start it to save it from happening. And so that goes down. Meanwhile, Riker and Picard are on the shuttle. They get to the ship in the nebula. There are life signs that appear to be Beverly's. They prepare to board, both feeling old and tired, but they get out there. The ship seems abandoned. There's some warbly old music playing. The ship's in terrible shape. They're trying to figure out what happened. Picard and Riker split up. Picard goes to the bridge and Riker has someone on his tail, another stranger in the background. He goes to the, Picard goes to the bridge and finds Beverly in a stasis pod. And then Riker is brought in at gunpoint by this stranger. Uh, Picard is able to talk him down saying, there's only two people on the ship and you put her in a stasis pod. You clearly care about her. You're not going to kill us. And the kid's, oh yeah. And then Riker disarms him with an elbow to the face and grabs the gun. And that's when they find out that this... Stranger is Beverly's son. Yeah, Indeed. and then a lot of revelations happen in these last couple of minutes because they find out that Beverly and her son have been on the ship being hunted by someone. They, wherever they go, they're found. And then people show up in the nebula. They must have followed Riker and Picard there. They're being hunted by who? And Beverly's son says, take a look. And then we see those crazy ships from the cold open. Showing up in vast numbers. And here endeth episode one of season three of Star Trek Picard. The Next Generation? Sydney LaForge, Beverly's son. A little yes. bit of Next Generation Maybe, in there. yes, yes. Beverly's son with who? Oh, okay, let's chat about that. Let's chat, let's chat. I say, darling, let's do a quick chat about that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, let's yeah. do yeah. So... Do you think he could be Picard's son? I mean, that was my first thought. Is that to throw back Easter egg to Kirk and his unknown son? It is, with a brilliant, beautiful scientist. Sure, but the kid looks to be about 20 years old or so. And well, that's when yeah, they of course, broke it's off Hollywood. With... I think he's probably about 30. Oh, yeah, of course. But they make him seem young-ish in personality. And it would explain why Beverly stopped talking to everyone if she was mm-hmm. suddenly pregnant and decided she wanted to have this baby. But then raise her son alone without knowing of the old team. Anyway, is this the inciting incident that gets the whole crew back together? Beverly's child or is it Beverly's injury or is it this battle with these unknown assailants that are following Beverly and her son through space on the Elios? What is going But then what's the conflict? Because we know that there's going to be conflict between Riker and Picard. Why do you think there's going to be conflict between Riker and Picard? Oh, because I think it's leaked. 
Oh, it's said leaked. It. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. That's the conflict is between the characters. It's not really about villains, I believe. But there's definitely people chasing. Listen, there's people chasing Beverly mm. for unknown reasons. Yes. And then there's this terrorist cell that that Rafi is trying to find out to hunt mm-hmm. down. And we know that Daniel Davis comes back because he leaked that. Well, was Moriarty. The, it wasn't in the trailer. No. I thought in the trailer at the end he goes hello, and we go what? Oh, Mori, yeah, Moriarty. Oh, right? I didn't see that. Am I making I that up? Yeah, I think they I have were an quite... overactive imagination. Maybe I'll look at it. I think there was also someone else who comes back as a villain. I but... thought we knew that Lore was going to be in this too. Yes, Lore is back. This is just lots of people coming out back. I, yeah. What is happening? Apparently, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Maybe it's uh, they go back in time and deal with some of the. Things that they maybe never fully resolved. Interesting. Did you spot who was playing Beverly's son? No. Do you watch Downton Abbey? Oh, I've watched Downton Abbey. Downton? I've only seen the first season and a half. Well, that's all you need to have seen. It was James, the butler. No. Yes, it was young James. I didn't even mean young Jimmy. that was 10 years ago, isn't it? Which is how he's clearly not 30. Uh, 20. Yeah, he's not 20 years old. But well, listen, the son, whoever he, however old the actor may be, Beverly didn't have a kid before she left everyone. So this kid is 20 years old at the most, right? Yeah. He didn't have I a secret so. baby. And then the, I was also thinking the last Trek movie is this whole Picard's a clone that the Romulans made. It's a, but I guess that is the new adventure, if that's the reference in this, for the fatherhood. Co-parenting. That's true. Sydney LaForge is not the only daughter of Geordie. There are three. And Picard forgets the names of all of them. Of course. He's Picard. Yes. He also rarely sees Geordi, I remember. Geordi, I was trying to figure out how they're going to bring all the characters back in, and I was like, Geordi's the one that Picard only ever saw on the deck in the meetings they had in the meeting room. Otherwise, Geordi was down in engineering all the yeah. time. But they said that Geordi is now, he's manning the museum, he's curating like the, the museum. He's like running the Starfleet Museum, which makes is very Geordi-esque. You think? No, and he who would do be you, an engineer yeah. somewhere. Who do you think engineer what? He's Jordy. He's he did his engineering. He's got three daughters. He had plenty to do. He's done flying around looking for dilithium crystals. Oh, do we know who Jordy's wife is? Is it canon or not canon? Oh, you do I think know. it might be. I've heard a rumor about Leah Brahms. I really? don't know if that's true. Yeah. That would literally knock me out of my chair. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's there's a lot of cool stuff happening. Obviously, there's going to be some inter. Obviously, Beverly's going to have some issues with Picard. And Riker's having issues with his family. Perhaps he dropped that issue. So there's like all these yep. issues with fathers and issues with friends and lovers. And where's Laris going to fall in all this? But how does Rafi get involved? I'm wondering how they're going to draw in Rafi. I feel like Seven is about to get a in like discharge or something. Yeah. Join them. There's a lot of characters. I know that Beverly. Like, Gates McFadden has said that her character gets a lot more development in this, and I think mm-hmm. everyone's somehow does. And yeah. I'm just like, how on earth are they going to give character development to an ensemble cast of 15? Yeah. It's a lot. They've leapt in with both feet because everything seems to be somewhat in disarray in the right amount. So, like, to get things all working together, I think will be interesting. I had a theory that Worf and Seven are going to have a warrior instinct versus duty because she's like an outsider in the Federation, and I think Worf has that experience having been the first Klingon to serve, so I'm wondering if that's like a storyline. Like, how And she you... was the first ex-Borg. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, I would love Seven and Worf to 
walk into someplace and kick everybody's ass. I think it would be very fun to see. That would be good. Worf and old man. Um, I'm excited to see Michael Dorn again. It's going to be really fun with his gray hair. It should be super yeah. fun to see. I was talking to a friend last night that we think that Worf is writing operas on Kronos. He doesn't fight anymore. <laughs> He's a full, fully pacifistic <laughs> artist. Wouldn't it be funny if like Worf were writing comedies? If, if he you... was trying to write comedy, yeah. <laughs> Worf's writing a sitcom. Yeah, he's somewhere. like, I'm working on a pilot. Anyway, yeah, it's a great episode. I can't wait for the next episode. <laughs> well, thank you very much for tuning in. We go immediately, as always, to the Easter egg desk with our, our correspondent, Stevie Man. Stevie, how are you today? Well, hi there, Rocky. I'm well, I'm well. I'm here on the set of Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 1. And I can tell you... It has been an exciting time. In what way? Thank you. I'm so glad you asked, Aki. We have so many Easter eggs for you today. A plethora, if you will. A Ooh. fountain. A mountain. Lots of hyperboles. <laughs> yes, I know. We have so many. I don't even know where to choose from. But we will start with the cold open. And when mm. we had Beverly Crusher's quarters, what did you spot? Anything in particular? Of course not. I was like, I didn't see anything. Did she you check shut anything? somebody in the door and then... She's listening to the ink spots, and then she yes. fights people. Well, oh, I'm glad oh, you brought. Well, yeah. I was going to say, I'm glad you brought up the ink spots. So obviously, this is the third season of Star Trek Picard, and it's the third time that we have opened with these kind of like old tunes. Mm -hmm. Every season has opened, and if you care to think back, it was Blue Skies with season one. Mm -hmm. Time is on my side for season two, and I don't want to set the world on fire for season mm. three. Some foreshadowing, perhaps. Interesting. So you may have noticed her pearls from The Big Goodbye, one of my favorites. Oh, my God, yes. Season, is that one or two? I forget. One. Uh, Let's go with one. I think yes. Riker was beardless. Her flowers from Cause and Effect. Her drama comedy mask. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, my God. I didn't see those, but I remember that. That's what yeah. You saw all that in the quarters? My God. Oh, yeah. I was pausing. I was like, this is my second watch. I was like, oh, look at that. You are eagle-eyed. Okay. Yeah. Deep cut. Now this is this was this is for all you nerds out there. There was an award that said Core Carol Five, Core Caroli Five. I think my spell check corrected that. Mm -hmm. Medical away team honorary citizen, referencing a classified mission that we never saw, that Jean Luc spoke of in the episode Allegiance. And funnily enough, that episode featured a botched date between Beverly and an alien doppelganger posing as Picard. Oh my God. I would but, not have remembered that episode until you mentioned the doppelganger. Yeah. Yes. We hear Captain Picard's log. Now, I was like, oh, I know that this is his voice from then. I know, knew that his voice has changed. I was like, oh, I wonder what episode it was from. It's from the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. Specifically, the references there are hiding the Enterprise in a dust cloud, yes. foreshadowing the fact that by the end of this episode, Riker and Picard will head into a nebula. Yes, indeed. Fun facts. Picard's stuff. We've said the Picard's painting, I believe it was the Enterprise D. You might be right. We can argue I, whether it was a Stargazer, no, no, but I believe no. it was the Enterprise believe. D. Who retrieved, who retrieved this from the saucer section in genera it was Generations. My yes. bad, I wrote that down mm -hmm. wrong. Yes. We have the Resican flute from the Inner Light. I know you mm -hmm. love that. That's a favorite for a lot of fans. I truly loved it. Promelian battle cruiser in a bottle from Booby Trap. Ship in a bottle. Golden Enterprise D model, a huge Bajoran symbol. And the mm -hmm. Curlin Nascos from The Chase, again, who went back and got that from the crashed Enterprise oh D? Yeah. Lots of things, lots of things. We spoke about Metallus Prime, named for showrunner Terry Metallus. And then later in the episode, the voice of the Dockmaster turns out to be Terry Metallus also. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of fun there. Oh, that's nice. 
Yep. When Rafi, we talked about Rafi's communicator. Now, why mm-hmm. would she be using an outdated communicator? Perhaps it's the equivalent of a burner phone in the 25th mm-hmm. century? Yes. We shall find out. When Riker and Picard head to the Titan, the episode goes into warp 9.99999 with Easter eggs. Picard and Riker's journey to the Titan references Kirk and Scotty taking the travel pod in the motion picture. The design of the space dock references the famous Starfleet space dock designed by Industrial Light and Magic as first seen in The Search for Spock. Wow. Even the interior of the space dock is similar and the doors are identical. Picard and Riker pretend to form an inspection referencing the Wrath of Khan when yes. Kirk was doing a real inspection. Mm-hmm. Let's see, the music in the scene evokes James Horner's score from the Wrath of Khan. The boatswain whistle, the botson, botson, I think it's a bot. Boatswain. Is it boatswain? It, well, it's spelled botswain. Boat. Botswain. But I think bot. it's pronounced boatswain. I don't know. I'm, okay. This is a thing I'd find in a D&D book, pretty sure. They say boatswain. It's like ship. All right, let's go with that. The bosun whistle used to announce Riker and Picard's arrival is the same exact design used in Undiscovered Country. Lovely. I would so, not have picked that up. It was given a nice, like, it's super in frame. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's deliberate. And I think Seven of Nine taking the Titan out of Space Dock was very reminiscent of Savik, played by Christy Alley. Yes, yes. Take it, piloting the Enterprise out of Space Dock in the Wrath of Khan. And also Valeris blasting the Enterprise out of the gate in Undiscovered. I'm just going to stop there. I will say, though, that if you are an eagle eye and you didn't watch the credits... Go back and watch the credits. There's some little fun be. things in there. I clearly missed everything. One particular thing I will call out is Picard 47 Alpha Tango. So towards the end of the credits, we see Picard 47 Alpha Tango, and this was his special command code for setting the auto-destruct to the mm. Enterprise E in first contact. Is that foreshadowing? Who knows? Mm. Or is it just fun stuff? And my other favorite thing was when Jonathan Frake's name came up, it was all it, the image on screen was Red Alert. Possibly just a nice homage to the fact that he is... Red Alert was one of the best ever. He might as well be called Red Alert Riker. He might as well, yeah. Why have they not done that? With aplomb. Yes. Did you spot anything else? No. My big thing was that I heard Metallus 5 and I was like, wait a sec. Mm -hmm. I thought I was really pulling one over on you. I was going to be like, but did you know this? (laughs) I scour the depths of the internet for all of the things that I missed, but. Lesson anyway. learned. Well, okay, that's all I have here from the set of Star Trek Picard. It's back to you in the studio. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Stevie. Wonderful, as always, to hear from you. Take care down there. Be careful. We're moving on now to quotable moments. Quotable moments. Okay. This one had some pretty solid quotable moments. Yeah, it did. I was too busy doing Easter eggs, but I did catch one, so I'll let what you do, you do all yours. Oh, okay. Well, I don't want to take yours. I referenced Lara saying, a point comes in a man's life when he looks... To the pa- a point comes in a man's life. No, I can't do it. A point comes in a man's life Are when he looks to at the pad. you trying to do that pa- in an Irish accent? I tried, okay? Would you, would you like me to do that for you? I would. Thank you. The point comes, comes in a man's life when he looks to the past to define himself, not just his future. Yeah, see, that just sounded, there's no accent on that. To me, I'm still Irish accent blonde. Picard says, I am not a man who needs a legacy. I want a new adventure. And even though I hate Captain Shaw, I really did enjoy his barbed line when Picard... And Riker enter and they say, Captain, I apologize. Are we late? And he says, hardly. Just your reputation preceded you so far into the room that I started early. Oof. Mm. Oh, yes. Before they board the the Elios, as they're both standing there with their phasers, Picard and Riker. Picard, Picard's like, oh, adrenaline. His hands are stiff or whatever. And then Riker says, your hands are stiff. My knees are killing me. So long as we don't have to move or shoot, we should be fine. 
That was very cute. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. All right, I can think of one then. Picard to Riker. I can't ask you to put yourself in danger. And Riker mm. goes, since when? That's beautiful. That was that a very was a good nice one. one. Yes. And then if I had to pick one more, I would say, Picard, I'm not sure about this plan. And Riker says, because it's not really a plan, it's a ruse. Oh, yes. And Picard goes, yeah, that's the part I don't like. Yes. It's not really a plan. It's a ruse. Yeah. Those, that's they, have, they do have fun. Listen. This has been wonderful. I don't think I'm screwing anything up. I think it's time we move on to next time. Next time on Set Phasers. Yeah, next time on Set Phasers, we'll be talking about season three, episode two, the title of which is Disengage. Uh, Ooh. Ooh. That could mean a lot of things. Yes, thank you very much for... Oh, fun fact. This is the first time that they put the title on the episode since, I think, 2005. In a Star really? Trek series. Yes, it is. Fun oh, wow. fact. That's fun wonderful. Fact. Fun fact. Yes, it that is. That is a fun fact. Fun fact. Fun fact. Sorry, um, I forgot all that. It was just so many things. <laughs> what was I? No, no, it's fine. Uh, thank you very much for listening. <laughs> we have tons of back episodes of this program that we create called Set Phasers, where we've covered all the new Star Trek that's coming out. That's four seasons of Discovery, two seasons of Picard, three seasons of lower decks and one season i can't believe we've done all that and one season of strange new worlds and we will continue to do this so you can find that wherever you get your podcasts wherever fine podcasts are sold available 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 yeah wherever podcasts are available we're there yeah we're nearly three years into this podcast would you believe no i wouldn't believe it but an auspicious third year Indeed. Lots of things, lots of things to come. And we are so grateful for the makers of Star Trek that we continue to go boldly with them. Please do join us on patreon.com forward slash setphasers where you can join us in all things nerdy, including Zoom hangs, watch parties, cooking shows galore and more. Uh, Oh, yeah. And I owe you some meditation. Yes, we're doing meditations. If you have not listened to the previous episode, there was a special meditation episode, which Mm -hmm. I think we will continue because it was a lot of fun for me to do. So, yes, please do check that out. And I think that's our whole thing. Yeah. Let's not forget your sign off, Aki. You got to say your thing and then I got to remember my thing. Until next time, I'm Stevie Manns. And I'm holding down a seat at the bar on Chaltock 4. And this has been Set Phasers, a highly improbable, illogical Star Trek podcast. Computer. End program.